It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Football Social Daily, Premier League Update. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League update where we rattle through all the latest news from the world's most exciting league. It is a defensive crisis at Manchester City right now. John Stones has joined Laporte on the treatment table. So who is Pep going to turn to in his time of defensive need? We're going to look at the Champions League disappointment for both Chelsea and Liverpool last night. And we're going to take a closer look at the new young European superstar who could soon be plying his trade in the English top flight. We've got Steve McNaughton and Marley Anderson in the studio. Evening, Hello. boys. Hello. Don't know why I said evening, because actually, I mean, it could be any time you're listening to this, and it's yeah. actually 11am. We're timeless. The time we're recording we're like a, it. We're like an airport. Yeah. That, Completely timeless. All right. Let, not, We've all got okay, pints. I, 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 I don't understand that, but... Uh, we'll, we'll agree we'll with it. We'll, we'll just crack on. Let's Everyone start. knows airports are timeless. All right, shut, up, about? shut up, yeah. Marley. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start off to a good start. (laughs) Let's start with the Premier League interest in the Champions League last night. And as we've got Steve, Liverpool fan in the studio, we'll kick off with Liverpool as well. Disappointing result. Yes, um, it's a difficult place to go. Napoli, you know, it's we lost there last year, and obviously then we played them again at Anfield, which was another barnstorm of a game last season. A lot of teams won't go to that to that ground and get a result. I think we played well generally. I think after the, the penalty, we, we we kind of collapsed a little bit. Uncharacteristic mistake from Virgil, you know, which which happens now and again, and uh, a, a controversial penalty call for me that VAR couldn't even uh, solve. Did so. you play well though? Because you looked. I mean, you had chances and you just failed to take those opportunities, which again is uncharacteristic for yeah. Liverpool. Because with that front three, the one thing you expect is goals but yet you failed to score any goals. I think defensively, Napoli are, are really strong. But you had the chances. We had the chances, but on another night, they would have gone in. But I think you can't be too disappointed with the the, the you know the form Liverpool have been in in recent times. And you know they've gone to one of the most difficult grounds in mm. Europe and they've, they've been turned over. It's, it's one of them things. We dust ourselves off, we go again. I think looking at the group, I still expect us to comfortably go through with Napoli. I think Genk are obviously going to be the whipping boys of the group, uh, looking at the result last mm. night. And um, just onwards and upwards, really. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, Jürgen's come out and said he's not happy with the penalty. None of us are happy with the penalty. It's the second one in a few days that hasn't gone our way. And 
these things happen, unfortunately, but we'll be all right. Let's talk about the penalty then, because Andy Robertson was judged to have fouled Callahan in the box. The penalty broke the deadlock, ultimately, and there has been debate over whether it was or wasn't. I'm still on the fence for this one, because you watch it in real time, and it's definitely a penalty. You watch the VAR, and it's kind of like, uh, ah, maybe yeah. not so much. And I know you boys have both got different views on this one, so I'll let you take this one first, Marley. I think it's a penalty. Oh, piss what? off. <laughs> I do. I just think it's a penalty. How? Because he's, he's, he gets fouled in the he, box. He was, fo- he was going over before he got near Robertson. I don't think he was. I don't think that matters think, anymore either. I think I he's... Think, l- as far as the penalty is concerned... It doesn't matter if the player is already on the way down. It's whether there is contact at some point. And there is contact. But it's so minimal, a contact. The thing that makes it potentially not a penalty for me is Andy Robertson does get the ball first and he does move it away from the Napoli player that maybe takes it out of his control. And I believe that means it wouldn't be a penalty under the rules of the game. I would agree with that. And I think Robertson's... Reaction to the situation immediately said it all as well. When the referee pointed to the spot, he just couldn't believe it. He's an honest player, Andy Robertson. Um, he's just had a kind of bit of a moment there, and I, I'm not convinced that that it was a penalty. And I think when you refer to VAR, like, like they have done, and they say, "Oh, we've got to get a clear and obvious decision about it," it still wasn't clear and obvious from the VAR. So if it's not clear and obvious, you've got to kind of go, "Actually, we can't give it," because uh, no, you know, we're not totally convinced about it, but. You know, we had one at the weekend against Newcastle. You know, Lascelles should have, um, you know, conceded a penalty there, and it just happens. It's, it, you know, we can't do anything about it now. We just go again, and I'm sure over the season these things even themselves out. It does upset me at the moment the lack of consistency in not just whether decisions are being called correctly or incorrectly with the help of VAR, but when VAR is called for. And I know it's different between the Champions League and the Premier League, but we were talking on yesterday's podcast about the challenge on uh, Fornells, I think it was. And in the Aston Villa game, at, right at the end of the game yesterday, which looked to me like it should have been a VAR referral. Yeah. When I watched the replay, I think, well, if it was referred to VAR, it I can been, see that yeah. being given. Yeah. But it's a complete lack of consistency between that and, again, another challenge in the Champions League where we are seeing VAR being called for. So it's just another problem <laughs> it is, and I think, with the system. I think VAR, they're, they're much more proactive with the VAR use in the Champions League and we've seen quite a few games determined by by VAR but in the Premier League I don't think what's helping is that the the brief seems to be changing for the referees all the time you know we had a, a, a couple of weekends ago where the, you know the word was they'd been told to back off a little mm. bit and you know let the game flow a little bit but then you've got situations like on Monday night and it's like what are we actually going to do now? Um, so there's all this confusion around it still. Where I think it's it's in the Champions League, it's a bit more better than having a bit more success with it. But in the Premier League, it is all over the shop. As we've said before, such a difficult thing when you've got one view, Marley's got another. He's wrong, no. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't see why there's such a big furor about it. It's like I think it's a clear penalty. I really do. He's, well, you, well, he's, le- he's leaning for the ball, like he's trying to nick it before Robertson gets it. And he does, and Robertson doesn't get any touches on it at all. The ball doesn't move; it goes in. Oh, I think he does. He no, he doesn't. He, does. he doesn't. I'm watching it. I've I've just watched it again. He literally gets no no touch on the ball at all. It, oh, it just is, it just well, goes. The the reason why, honestly, I, obviously it's a podcast. We can't bloody show anyone any images, which <laughs> I'll is play dead on. on yeah. <laughs> but the two the players both feet Robertson and Callihan's feet are pointing in the same direction so that's why people are thinking oh Robertson might have got a touch mm. on it because it goes in the the, the direction Robertson's foot goes 
but it it doesn't it's it's Cali Horn he gets there first and then as he as he goes past him jumps his, past him his trailing leg hits him and that's a penalty if there is no touch from Robertson for me it is a penalty but it's a bit of a pointless discussion because it was given it was scored Liverpool have lost their first Champions League game in the group stages not time for panic buttons yet nah. people forget that Liverpool had a pretty inefficient start to last season's <laughs> yeah. Champions League campaign as well so as far as I mean if it's a sign of things to come you'd take that as a Liverpool fan surely wouldn't you yeah I think so we, we are slow starters in the competition we, we, we didn't have a good time in the group uh, you know last season I think Red Star Belgrade beat us PSG beat us uh, obviously Napoli beat us as well in, in, in the group stage and um we, we just need to get warmed up in that competition and it seems that from a Liverpool point of view when it starts actually meaning something when it gets to knockout rounds and stuff like that it, that's when we seem to come alive and we start putting our performances in but you know slightly off topic with Liverpool but they've got some decisions to make this season you know about their priorities I think mm. so it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out as well Let's talk about Chelsea, who had an equally poor start in the Champions League last night. We said this yesterday, Marley, on the podcast. We were saying Chelsea are probably better off just sacking off the Champions League because if they play their proper team, they'll end up with injury to a key player like Mason Mount. <laughs> <laughs> what happens? They should have listened to the bloody podcast. They should have. Like Mason Mount goes off. Have they taken an unnecessary risk there for a result that they probably were never going to get anyway? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I think it's worth... Worth going into the first couple of games, you know, as, as strong as you, as strong as you like, and then see where you are after after three three games in the in the Champions League because you might be sitting on nine points and it might be quite easy. But you know they got off to a bad start last night. Valencia have mm. came, they're in they're in trouble in terms of their management. They're all kicking off about how the manager Marcelino got fired at, just a couple of weeks ago after the defeat to Barcelona. Um, and they came in even worse shape than Chelsea, like by far. And then they, they've came in and turned them over. And ironically, with a very clever set piece, which was probably put in place by Marcelino. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of, it's one of them. It's just football, isn't it? You think, you know, think, oh, that team's in a crisis. And Chelsea are on the back of a, a nice sort of run, a good win over Wolves at the weekend. Great put, win over score, Wolves. Yeah. Scoring five past Wolves. And, and then Rodrigo's turned in a free kick and. All of a sudden, Chelsea are looking at the Champions League, and they're probably going to be thinking, "Do we need this? Do we need to go and mm. beat Lille and um, and Ajax and stuff like that?" You know, it's it's a poor result for them because now it, it just puts that doubt in the mind even more. Now, the big loss was obviously Mason Mount rather than the actual game itself. They don't yeah. know how serious the ankle injury is. The uh, club says forty eight hours, and they'll kind of know the extent of it. He walked off the pitch, which is always a good sign. Yeah. But it wasn't a nice challenge that resulted in the injury. It wasn't. However, I don't think it was like that intentional because mm. Coquelin plays the pass. It's he. Like he wins the ball, it's not even a challenge. It's he's stretching for. A it's pass. almost like a follow through, isn't yeah, it? Where he, his yeah his studs end up on the player's ankle. Exactly. It doesn't seem massively natural to me, but at the same time, you could see it happening because it is, as you say, it's a pass that he kind of slides into. He's stretching for slightly. Yeah, and he, he makes it in good time, and then it's just the the, the follow through just sticks Mount in the ankle. It's really it's unlucky mm. for Mount, obviously to. Because Mount thinks he's going to get the ball, so he mm. doesn't pull out of the challenge. He thinks he's going to block the pass. Yeah, so he could have broke his ankle. Really. Could, yeah, I mean his, an, his ankle turned. Could be much worse, yeah. When when you see it in slow motion, you're like, oh god, it looks so it stretched it looks, all them ligaments it looks and everything. Bad, yeah, it? yeah. 
Um, but like you know, like the club say, in a couple of days we'll find out whether he's out for six months or a couple of weeks. Like I say, he walked off the pitch, so hopefully he'll be all right because he's been one of the best players this season. Mm. Talking yeah. point from that game as well was a penalty, but rather than actually whether the penalty should have been given or not, it was the way the penalty was taken. We've seen this already this season with Manchester United, but Barkley, Ross Barkley, who is a substitute coming on, he took the ball off Willian, who's the normal penalty taker, and then proceeded... <laughs> To miss it, <laughs> as tends to happen. I mean, I don't think I've seen this happen so many times in the Premier League or in football this early in the season ever that players seem to lack the discipline to acknowledge who is the penalty taker and want to take it themselves. I think it's it's mind-boggling when that happens. I mean, we we spoke about it earlier on in the office, but I think. It's a management thing, it's a communication thing. When all them players walk on the pitch, they should know who the penalty taker is, without a doubt. I mean, other teams do it. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll mention my team, obviously, you know, Mo Salah takes mm-hmm. our penalties. There's no ifs, buts, unless he's not on the pitch and James Milner takes them. But, but that's it, even when, even when your penalty taker is off the pitch. We know, know who's, who's doing it. And probably would know who's third. And it's just, it's just one of them procedural things where... You know, you're communicating and when you're setting up for the game, you're saying this is what is going to happen should this situation arise. And when you've got this, these two players arguing with each other on the penalty spot and, uh, you know, we've seen it with Man United this season, it's just, come on, that is a fundamental thing mm. that needs sorting out at this level. You know, it's not semi-pro, it's not amateur at the risk of sound like Graeme Souness at the weekend, <laughs> but it's something that just needs to be just a given, I think. No no dispute, Williams are penalty takers, decent record yeah. with them. That's it. Is this a folly of the young ex-footballer manager that we've seen? And in recent history, I'm referring to directly, obviously, with Solskjaer being at Manchester United. He is clearly a friend of the One players. Of the yeah, Rashford was saying the other day, he's a former player, he understands us, which is basically him saying he's our mate. Uh, Lampard, same situation at Chelsea. Do these young managers come in, maybe lack the same element of discipline? The authority, As the older really. guys would, yeah, the authority to kind of go, you're the penalty taker, this is the rules. But because they're, they're, they're so connected to the playing staff, their theory is, hey, you can sort it out on the pitch. Sort it out amongst yourselves because they remember what it was like to be in that situation and to have Stakes the Stakes are too high, though, to do that. I think, you know, when you, you, you've... I mean, I can't remember the, the timing of it, whether it was before or after the Valencia goal, but... It you was know, after. It, if it was after the Valencia goal, it makes Is stakes it eight, even higher. 87th minute. 87th minute, Jesus. Um, it, it's just crazy. And I think when you talk about the young managers coming in and it's the lads will sort themselves out on the pitch, it seems like that when they're employed by the clubs, they're just coming in to set them up. And that's it. You know, we're gonna, this is how we're going to set up. This is the team. Off you pop, lads, and away you go. You can't work like that. You've got to pay attention to the smallest details. And that isn't a small detail. That's a quite significant thing because in the age of VAR, the, the chances of getting a penalty are considerably more now. But at the end so, of the day, Marley, if you're a professional footballer, you should be able to score a penalty. <laughs> you should, yeah. <laughs> um, and I've, uh, you know, if you, thing is, like, if you've got an argument of, you know, a Brazilian, an Italian, and an Englishman taking the penalty, don't give it to the bloody Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't let him take it. We've got a terrible record. Um, I've never, I can't remember the last time I seen Ross Barkley take a penalty that wasn't in a shootout like it was a bit strange he's missed a couple as well hasn't he before I think, that. I think he has yeah but Yeah. without diving into his stats I'm pretty sure he missed a couple for Everton as well before he went to Chelsea there you, there you go I mean it's just you mentioned is it, a, is it a young manager thing I think it's a Chelsea thing look at them in the League Cup last season like the uh, Maurizio Sarri wanted Kepa to come off Yeah. Caballero wanted, was ready to go on they had a embarrassing pathetic argument 
on the pitch at Wembley. Mm. And now this, you know, they're all squabbling over, oh, I want to take the penalty, I want to take the penalty. And Sarri wasn't a man who lacked in authority either. Exactly, and he was like, he was going spare, wasn't he? He nearly bloody collapsed on the <laughs> side of the pitch because, well, partly because he was 60 fags a day, but, you know. <laughs> um, but it's just one of them things as well. I didn't think it helped Barkley because he said, like, I'm taking it, and everyone kind of got used to that. But also, Jorginho was saying stuff to him and then Jorginho shook his hand and then Willian just stood there with a face like shite, like a little spoiled toddler. Yeah, and then Abraham spoke to him, whispered something in his ear and it's like, the worst thing you can do is give someone advice because the first thing you do when you get a penalty is you pick your position and you stick to it. If you've got Abraham coming up and saying, oh, that keeper usually goes to the left, put it in the bottom right-hand corner, you're just going to second-guess yourself. And then it was no surprise that he missed it with everybody... Not supporting him. Jorginho did the right thing. Shook his hand, said, all right, take it, score. We'll, we'll take the draw. We might go on to win the match. Mm. Abraham, Abraham's fine. a bit rich, isn't he, considering what happened in his last penalty for Chelsea? <laughs> there you go. But it's, it's, we've talked about, I, I have, I've been quite vocal about it on the podcast in the past. And Chelsea, culturally, even though it seems like it's heading in the right direction under Frank Lampard with the introduction of young players and stuff like that, the culture that has been rotten at the mm. club for a few years and I think which, when you've got which to be fair Lampard is partly responsible for for the little clique he had with yeah, John Terry with John back Terry, in the day. but I think um, he's finding his feet with it I, you know I, I, I think he's made a fairly decent start Frank if we're going to be honest about it but that culturally you've got to have all that mm. stuff sorted out and even that I don't support Chelsea I still find situations like that really frustrating to see mm. I don't know whether Frank has made a good start or not. I can't quite get a handle on Chelsea's season yet. They've had some decent wins. They've scored a lot of goals, but the teams they've played haven't been at their best and no clean sheet. No clean sheet, So yeah. far as well, which has got to be worrying for Chelsea. Right, we're going to come back in a minute. We're going to talk about Manchester City's injury crisis and a young European superstar who shone in the Champions League last night that already there are rumours linking him with a move to the Premier League. We'll do that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Football Social Daily. Get daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa. Just ask Alexa. Open Sports Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We're going to talk about Manchester City's injury worries at the moment. But first, my timeline last night on Twitter was full of one name. And that's the name of Norwegian starlet Erling Braut Haaland, who could be Europe's next hot prospect already being linked with moves to the Premier League. Manchester United, one of the clubs that's named as always, aren't they always? And a few other big names as well. Last night, he became the third youngest player ever to score a hat-trick in the Champions League in Salzburg versus Genk on his Champions League debut too. Who was the last player to do that, boys? Hmm. Uh, Rooney Wayne Rooney in 2004 against Fenerbahce against Fenerbahce well done so we're going to find out a little bit more about Erling Braut Haaland as well and to do that we're going to speak to Norwegian football journalist Jonas Jever who is on the line hello Jonas welcome to the podcast hi there thank you for having me on no you're more than welcome I was going to learn the um, Norwegian for hello to make you feel really welcome but I worked out it's just hello <laughs> so, yeah, so. Um, hello sort of works over here as well we're not that far apart in that respect so tell us what you know about this new superstar that most people before last night might not have heard of but he's been absolutely tearing it up in Salzburg hasn't he he has been I mean how much do I know about him how, how long do you have because he's been you know the talk of the country for um, the better of two years, actually. He's been uh, a bit of a phenomenon. Uh, and when he went to Salzburg, that was sort of after 
he had been linked with moves to almost anywhere, especially as you mentioned previously here, Manchester United. Mm. Uh, were said to, to be very interested. They had a scout at almost every game that he played. Um, and at age 17, I believe, yeah, he must have been 17, he scored four goals in an away match against Brann, which at the time were the best defensive team in Norway in front of the Manchester United scout. And he did so scoring the hat-trick uh, in the first 15 minutes. So and he, at 17, and he completely decimated the best centre-back pairing uh, in Norway at the time. Um, and he since is, then, he, he's developed a lot in the last two years as well, hasn't he, physically? Because I believe he's grown something like 10 centimetres and put on a few kilos in just the, just the last two years since he was 17. He has been. Uh, funny thing enough, I was standing next to him in the mixed zone following a game he played here in Oslo when he was 16. And at 16, he bullied one of the best and most physical centre-backs in Norway, and at 16, standing next to him, uh, he was towering over me. And uh, I'm a guy, I'm, I'm 27 years old. You would expect me to be at least, if not wider than him, then at least a little bit, um, you know, in, in respect that I could defend myself physically against him. But if he wanted yeah. to, he could have beaten me up at the spot at, at 16. He was, <laughs> he was absolutely, it, it, was, it was astonishing to stand next to him. And he, he was just a, a man-child. I mean... He, you, you, we, we kind of joked that he's sort of the, the uh, extra small version of Brock Lesnar, the, the UFC <laughs> fighter. And, and that sort of is what he looks like as well. He could have been you know, Brock Lesnar's little brother. He's 19 years old. He's scored 17 goals in nine games at the moment, which it doesn't matter what league you're in. That's an incredible scoring record. <laughs> have, you, have you counted in the nine goals he scored in one game against Honduras as well then? I don't know whether I have or not. I've just I was, read that uh, stat. I was just about to say that, actually. He, he first popped onto my radar in the Under-20 World Cup and he scored nine against Honduras, was it, in 12-0 win? And he, he got nine of them. And I was like, Jesus, this kid. Where's this kid the, the, come from? And then it turned, it turned out that he was Alfinger Haaland's son mm-hmm. as well. So That's correct. Do you want to know the fun thing about that game? He was, more, he was more annoyed about not scoring 10 than happy about scoring 9. <laughs> that's, a men, that's a mentality thing, isn't it? It sounds like he's, got a, he's, he's pretty focused. He's very focused and he's always been that way. I mean, we, it's, kind of, it's kind of fun because he's, he's, uh, he's a hazard to interview. Because uh, he, he only gives answers that are like three or four answers long. I mean, he's very, very uh, soft-spoken, but he's, sort of, he's subtly cocky, you know. He's sort of a little bit arrogant about him. But I don't think he necessarily means to be. He's just so extremely focused on on learning the game and and perfecting his craft. And I mean, he he is an apex predator in front of goal. So um, uh, in a way, it's it's frustrating for us working in the media to try and talk to him because he doesn't give away too much. But at the same time, you kind of have to you know carefully respect that that he just is so focused on on his job and uh, his mentality is on becoming one of the best players in the world. There's two things we're really interested in, Jonas. One is he went to Salzburg in January for 8 million quid, which at the time people were saying was quite a lot of money. Now it's looking like an absolute bargain. Can you see him moving to the Premier League in the next few seasons? Is he ready to make that step up? It's a it's a very difficult question because I mean he's playing in the Austrian division uh, and I don't I'm not sure if you can compare the Premier League to to the Austrian Bundesliga uh, at the same time he's playing for Red Bull Salzburg which is a dominating side there so of course he, he's he's getting references at, at a high international level mm. and when he's now proving himself that he can you know perform at the biggest stage in European football the Champions League scoring a hat trick in the first half then of course the the 
it sort of lends credence to the fact that he might be able to do so. Um, but we, at least me, I'm trying not to be too because we already experienced, you know, extreme hype in Norway with Martin Odegaard when he signed for Real Madrid. So I mean, mm. uh, we're trying to sort of be a little bit more, I suppose, calm in the way of hyping him up. But uh, there's no question that last night definitely sort of changed a lot of the perception about him that he is he is the real deal and. Um, it would surprise me if he doesn't earn a move to a bigger club already after this season, considering how well he's performed now. And secondly, the most important question is, has he made his international full debut for Norway yet? Because he was born in Yorkshire, which by my reckoning makes him eligible to play for England. <laughs> I'm sorry to break your heart, but he has. He's, Damn it. Played, uh, <laughs> he's played two games for Norway and he's played... Uh, in uh, European qualifiers, so it doesn't mean that he's played sort of a, a non-meaning or a meaningless friendly. He's pr- actually played competitive football for Norway, so the door is closed for England, I'm afraid. Jonas, thank you very much for your time. It's been really interesting to hear about a player that genuinely sounds like one of the most exciting prospects in Europe at the moment. My absolute pleasure, guys. Sounds like a very exciting player, and the only bad thing I can think of is his agent is Mino Riola. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that's going to put a lot of people off straight away, isn't it? I mean, especially after what Gary Neville said recently about that guy. Mm. But guaranteed, he will be linked with Manchester United over the next few seasons. You the can just is, see it happening. Right. At the so with, with that, so let's say you know Man United have been scouting him for a while, which they have. Fine, this guy scout a lot of players. He, his dad, his career was ended by Man United's Roy Keane. Mm. Would he go there? But. Oh, Mm, I'm not sure that's I relevant. I, really. I genuinely yeah. think I genuinely think that's relevant. I think if Roy Keane was manager, then I he might have a problem with it. But I, I don't see that being a thing. He was born in Leeds, to a Leeds supporting. Didn't Harland play for Leeds? Then yeah. he played for Man City. I don't understand why he would go to Man United. You could certainly. I, 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 honestly, I honestly think that's I think a, probably that's an issue. Quarter of a million quid a week might swing it. <laughs> but I mean. We go back to discussions we've had before about are Manchester United actually leading that kind of race now anyway when there's well, they, far more attractive teams exactly. like Manchester City in terms they of They won't be the only play. ones that are scouting him that are going watching him play games because it's relatively easy to get over mm. to Austria and watch him and, and to Norway if he's playing for the internationals. But he won't. He'll have his pick if he carries on with that form, and he's, you know, I think he's on 17 goals already this season, isn't he? Including four mm. hat tricks, he's gonna have a. He can pick. He's gonna be able yeah. to pick that kid if he keeps up, you know, the way he is. And I think. The thing is with Man United now is they aren't that attra- an attractive proposition because they're very much in transition at the minute and, and there's a rebuilding job that has started but is going to take a little bit of time. I think as well with um, with Haaland, his, he's at Red Bull Salzburg at the minute and the way the Red Bull teams work, if you're good enough, if you're too good for Red Bull Salzburg, you go to Red Bull Leipzig yeah. in Germany. They That's how they do things. That's, mm. that's his next move. So if he carries this on to the end of the season... He'd probably move to Leipzig, and then he'd probably move the next summer if he carries on for a, for a big, big fee. Mm. So you reckon it's, like it's, oh, forty-five million to Leipzig, something like that, and then yeah, well, maybe seventy, eighty to, yeah, to a different well, team. If you look at Leipzig now, Timo Werner is still at Leipzig, and he's moving. He's meant to be moving in the near future, maybe at the end of the season. He's, he's there free at the one. end of the season as well. Exactly. So they need to replace him. So why would you not mm. use your your sort of neighbour, your feeder club, yeah, to 
to replace him. It's unless you can get it's 80 million quid for him or something like that. And exactly. there, was, there was talk of Red Bull looking at a Premier League club at some point as well. So again, the was it West Ham by any chance? It was a while ago. Yeah, <laughs> just seen by, by your face. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd approve of that one. Uh, let's move on to Manchester City very quickly because there is trouble at City right now. News that John Stones is out for five weeks, given his display at Norwich. That might not upset too many City fans. But with Henrik Laporte already out till the new year, and that's the best guess on his fitness levels. It's a serious dent to City's title aspirations. Already last week they were talking about how maybe Otamendi and Stones weren't necessarily that centre-back pairing, but it was Otamendi who was going to drop out of that with Fernandinho coming back in. Now it looks like maybe Fernandinho and Otamendi is the defensive partnership at least for the next month and that's got to be slightly worrying for City fans hasn't it? I think it is worrying but I think they'll be okay I don't really see it being a massive problem for City against the majority of teams in the Premier League the only thing I would say is that that when you haven't got your first or even second choice of centre-back pairings you know it does bring its challenges one challenge that I can think of immediately someone who's looking at the outside at Man City is that there's not a lot of height there, you know, with Fernandinho and Otamendi, so on set pieces they may be vulnerable, but I think City are vulnerable on set are, pieces yeah. anyway. Um, but they'll just adjust, you know, they're a class act, and I think talking about that sensationalism, as you know, like I mentioned earlier, they'll, they'll endure, they'll get through mm-hmm. it, and they'll still pick up points. Yes, they might be a bit more leaky at the back, but they'll just score more goals than other teams, <laughs> and they'll just they'll still be in that race. And I think you know, five weeks will be back, and John Stones will come in and maybe shore up a leaky defence a little bit and then when they get Laporte back it's business as usual so I'm not that concerned for Man, for Man City Fernandinho the man to plug the gap for you Marley because there was talk about Carl Walker we saw him playing centre back for England in the World Cup could he be the man to step in? Um, I think it'll be Fernandinho in, in the short term um, purely because then you can get Fernandinho and Rodri in the same in the same team mm. um, Walker played centre back for England but he played in the back three uh, and he wasn't convincing there, to be no. honest. Not in a back three. He, he didn't. He, he caught. He got caught in in, in position. Uh, uh, what am I saying here? Out of position. He got caught out of position a few <laughs> times, um, and he made a couple of mistakes um, in the Columbia game. I think he gave away a penalty, didn't he? As well, I think it was the the stray elbow sort of thing. Um, so I think it'll be Fernandinho, and then if it's not Fernandinho, I actually think it might be Rodri. Mm. With Gundogan coming into midfield, well, and then he's got the height as well. Yeah, exactly. he's got that height. Yeah, and then it'd be Walker, uh, what about and then the, it would the, be Eric Garcia. The, Eric Garcia. The I was thinking maybe well, it might be a t- you know a chance to kind of get him in the match day squad and you know rotate a little bit. City are very much like like Liverpool in that respect, where they're they're, they're on all fronts this season, mm. and there's not a competition they're not involved in. So the, you know they've got to rotate certainly between now and January, and I think it might be a chat. You know an opportunity to give Garcia a crack and, and he appeared and, pre-season Garcia yeah. and there's talk of the other young centre-back as well whose name I've got in front of me and I got to refer to Taylor Harwood Bellis I've never who, heard of him all like all good yeah. young English players he's got a triple-barreled name you have yeah. to have a triple-barreled <laughs> name now 17 never played for City but I believe he's been mentioned by Pep at some point as potential cover so, so the City fans that'd be good to see options. these young players coming through yeah yeah. He's, he's one of the higher rated centre backs at, uh, at City Garcia and, T- and Howard Bellis are, are the two sort of leading lights in the defensive in the academy kind of thing um, but it's a, it's a massive step up and when they've got options to move more senior players around um, for example if you move Walker into centre back he might not be the best centre back but it means you can get Jao Cancelo you've just spent 60 million on mm. in at right back so I think there's there's three or four options before it comes to 
mm. sticking a, a teenager in there. Crisis, what I, don't crisis. Think, I don't think it's going to have a, that much of an impact on Man City. They're too good. No, I was look. I mean, the next fixtures they've got Watford at home on Saturday, and then they've got Everton away, Wolves at home. It's nine and then, points, and though, then isn't Crystal it? Palace. So yeah, it's twelve points, I think. They're not going to be tested in the way that not they really. might have otherwise if the fixtures have been less kind to them. I don't think so. He'll say, if Pep will sort it out. He'll just, he'll just, you know, reset them, change the formation slightly, and he'll just make them as compact and difficult to break down as possible. With an eye being vulnerable at set pieces, and I just don't see it being a thing for him. Worst it, comes to worst, we'll just pull on some boots. I reckon he's looked yeah, we'll pretty fit. He can still do it. <laughs> yeah. Right, boys, thank you very much. That's Cheers. it for Football Social Daily. Back tomorrow with a fresh episode covering all your latest Premier League news. Make sure you've subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Every single episode will pop straight into your inbox. And if you like what you hear, make sure you go on iTunes or Castbox or Acast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Give us a five star rating and a few words of review as well. We'd really appreciate. It. We'll see you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.